Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for just being able to worship you. I thank you for being a God that is worthy of our worship. Pray that right now that your Holy Spirit just ascends wherever it is that we are. And I pray that you will speak clearly through me into our hearts. Allow us to have a deeper understanding of who you are and who you've created us to be today and draw us into a a deeper relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Alex Rosa, and I am the Family Life Pastor here at New Life, and I am thrilled to be able to talk to you today about this new series, New Beginnings, The Lord's Prayer. I'm excited about it because we've had this emphasis here at New Life that lasted for 21 days in the month of January that was all about prayer and fasting. And during that time, we saw God do some incredible things. We believe that new life and just really the kingdom of heaven that is, is going on on this earth, we're going to see some big things through both new life and really just the kingdom at large in 2021. And we started to see some of those amazing things over that 21-day prayer emphasis. Just a little snippet behind the curtain. I'm sure we'll be sharing more and more as the weeks and the months go ahead, and we'll be sharing some of it at New Life News and and just really exciting ideas and opportunities that God is just bringing forth, and we're just pumped to see what God is doing. We believe He's working and He's moving, and we're able to partner with that, and it's just a humbling and and a blessing. One of the coolest things that that happened during that time is, is, as some of you might know, I transitioned recently into the family life pastor from the pastor of student ministries, and so we began looking for a director of student ministries. And just last week, we got an affirmation, a yes from someone that we had called and asked to come onto the staff. And so we can't share that much more yet because they are going to be leaving their current work employment. And we want them to just honor them as much as possible and leave really well. So we'll start telling you more information as we are able to. But I just wanted to share just a little bit about what happened. You see, during this prayer emphasis, or rather, I think it was right beforehand, but we're still, we're still in prayer. We're still focused on God. One day we were praying about it separately, Pastor Barry, Pastor Chris, and myself. And the same name came to all three of us. It was so strange how it happened. It was really a God thing. I came into a meeting with Pastor Barry one day, and he brought up a name. And he said, have you ever thought about this person? And immediately I said, yes, honestly, I was praying about them. I wanted to reach out. We should do that. So we reached out. We said, let's have a meeting on a certain day. When that morning of that meeting happened, Pastor Chris approached Pastor Barry and said, I was just praying. And this person's name came to my mind. Have you ever thought of them for this job? And Pastor Barry goes, well, we're actually having a meeting with them in like an hour. Do you want to be in that meeting? And he did. It was just crazy how God really orchestrated and just did so much more. And it's just cool because we continue to see more of that stuff. The more we pray, the more we focus on God, the more that we give control over to him as as our owners, as our lords, we're seeing his movement on this earth. So we thought, you know, we can't stop here. We can't just stop with 21 days. We want to continue the ball rolling. We want this momentum to continue going. We want to see God's supernatural nature in this world. So what we're doing, We're going to have a series right now for eight weeks about prayer. We want to help you, whether you have been praying your whole life or or you've never prayed before, we want to help you understand what it is that we're doing here. Why are we praying? If you've ever wondered that, if you've ever walked into a church and said, like, why are people's heads bowed? Why do people care about this so much? We are going to talk about it. One of the reasons why we do this, and I actually got this from a podcast recently, it's by a guy named Andy Wigand, who was one of Pastor Chris's mentors and pastors from from years ago, and now currently a mentor. And he talks about it in his podcast called A Heart of a Friend in a Prayer Series. And I just, I thought it was really good. I wanted to share it. It says, 
The quality of our own lives and our own effectiveness of God's people will never rise above the quality of our own prayer life. Think of that. The quality of our lives will never rise above the quality of our prayer life. So if you're wondering, why are we praying? Why is there such a big emphasis? It's because of this, because we want to raise the quality of our lives and the effectiveness that we have in the kingdom of God. And not only does it do that, but it also is a means of spiritual warfare. It's a weapon that we can use to push back the darkness that is in this world. And you don't have to look too far to realize that things are not as they should be, that there is darkness in this world and that we want God's light and glory to shine in those dark places. In that, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we were going through a devotional called Pursuit. And if you have not gotten a copy, maybe because you haven't come to the physical location and you would like a copy, please reach out to me. You can email me. You can, you can type it in the chat. We will find a way to get the book to you because it's just, it's really profound. But during that book, Dave Patterson, the, the author, talks about how there are different weapons that scripture, that God's word, the Bible outlines about ways that we can fight against the darkness. And three of those ways revolve around prayer. One is about Thanksgiving prayer and and offering God praises. One is about praying for other people. And one is about getting away at our own secret place, our own silent place, and praying to God. And he defines spiritual weapons this way. We could define a spiritual weapon as anything found in Scripture that drives back the power of darkness, defeats our spiritual enemies, and establishes the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And that's what we want. We want God's kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see God's movement and his love to just infiltrate this whole place. And so one of the ways that we can do that is prayer. When I first came to a church and I started to hear about what prayer was, what I kept on hearing wasn't about the quality of life or the effectiveness of our impact or even a spiritual weapon. What I kept hearing was it was a conversation with our Heavenly Father, with our Heavenly Dad. And so as I was preparing this, one day I just was sitting and praying and reminiscing. I just thought of a conversation I had with my dad, because I love talking to my earthly dad. Honestly, I love, his name is Rich. He's a great dude, and I like talking to him. I don't call him Rich, I call him Dad. Um, Sometimes call him Daddy, because uh, Ezra calls me that, and then I kind of forget that I don't call my dad Daddy, then I say Daddy, then I feel like a like a little child, but I talk to my dad about everyday life stuff, and, and it's really great, but I remember there was a time where that didn't happen. I went to college, and we didn't have like a weekly checkup. I would just call occasionally, and I remember one day I called him as I was driving, and he picked up the phone, and he answered by saying, how much do you need? And I remember being a little offended, like, really, dad, that's how you're going to pick up the phone? Not like, hello, but how much you need? And then he started laughing. And even more, I thought, oh, come on, dad, like, what are you doing? And then I thought, oh, I am asking him for money right here. At the moment, I had just gotten a ticket. Um, Well, technically, I got two driving tickets. I don't know which one I called him about. It was either the time when I went through a red light because I was picking my sister up from youth group, and I was just really excited about seeing her at youth group. It was so cool that she was there. So there was a yellow light, and we all know that when you're younger, yellow lights mean speed up, go real fast. And so I went through this yellow, and maybe even when we're older, even right now. um, But as I went through that, immediately, it was like I got the, the nose of my car through, and it went red, and there was a cop sitting right there. And so he pulled me over. And I was just, remember, I was thrilled because I was picking up my sister. So I didn't let this deter my bad mood. So he came to my window and I was like, hey, officer, how you doing? Are you having a good night? And he 
thought I was so suspicious because I was so happy. Normally, happiness and being cheerful isn't suspicious. In this moment, it was. And he began to ask me about if I was hiding things like drugs or weapons. He asked me about grenades at one point. I did not have, he actually asked to search my car. And I remember just being like, no, I'm just in a pleasant mood. I'm not, I'm not hiding things. I'm just, just generally happy right now. And so I remember that happened. And right after that happened, um, I was driving on a turnpike. I had to get off my exit, but I didn't realize that my exit was coming up. There was a big semi truck. So I flew past this truck and I got on the exit. I felt pretty good about it until I heard the siren. So when I was in my conversation with my dad, I brought that up and I said, well, hey, dad, uh, I actually am calling you for some money. I can't pay for both of these. Could you cover one of them? And he, he said he did. But I remember getting off the phone that day and being like, is this really what my relationship is with my dad? Is it just me calling him and asking for things whenever I'm in trouble or whenever I need something? Like, is, is this, did I distill our conversations or our relationship down to this? And, and I believe I had. And now we've changed things over time. Not only haven't I not gotten a ticket in like seven years because I've matured and I've also cut my commute down from like an hour to three minutes. And also I fear the wrath of my wife if I came home with two tickets at the same time, but mostly maturity. But my relationship with my dad has also just grown because we just talk about stuff. However, I look back at, over the years of my relationship with God and sometimes we have that same problem where I just go to him, I just go to my heavenly father asking for something that I need, or more realistically, sometimes asking for something that I want. Occasionally, my relationship with my God looks more closely to an Amazon wish list than it does to a relationship with a best friend. It's just something where I continue just to put my needs and my wants in front of them, and eventually, hopefully, I get them for Christmas or my birthday, and then I get excited about them, and then I ask for more stuff and more stuff instead of just sitting and talking. And so hopefully during this message series, well, not hopefully, definitely during this message series, we're going to help to make sure that we are getting the most out of our prayer life for, so that we can have the most impressive impact that we can have, not for our sake, but for his sake, so that we can see his glory here on earth. And I am thankful that I'm not the only one that's ever struggled with my prayer life, that not only as collectively that we sometimes are wondering what to do, but Jesus, his own disciples were wondering what to do with prayer. It's funny because he had these 12 guys that followed him everywhere. And not only did they follow him, they were trying to act like him. And during Jesus' time on earth, they never went up to him and said, hey, how do we preach? Like, how do we do a sermon? Like, how do we teach in front of people? But they did ask him, how do we pray? And there was a couple times in, in God's word that it was recorded what he said. It was in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And I want to read to you the account from Luke today. It says, in Luke 11, 1 through 4, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus was giving his disciples a template of how to pray. He wasn't saying that every time you pray, that's the only words you say, but he was giving them a template of what to do when you're communicating with 
God. And so over the last thousands of years, people in churches have been saying, or people alone have been saying this prayer, and we call it the Lord's Prayer. You might have even heard it in a movie or in a TV show. Sometimes they have like this moment before a sporting event in a movie where, where they say this prayer together. But here at New Life, we say it together collectively once a month during the Lord's Supper. And we say it this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so for the next eight weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take this prayer line by line and talk about what does it mean for our lives? Why did Jesus say those specific words and what do they mean for the kingdom of God and for our lives to be the most effective lives they can be? And how can we raise the quality of our lives by saying these words? Ultimately, this isn't a prayer that Jesus said that you have to to say exactly the same words, but he's saying that each line is really a focus point. Honestly, every line of the Lord's Prayer is intended to be a focal point for us. So if we stop and think, if we really take the time to meditate and learn what each line is about, we'll learn a lot about who God is as well as who we were created to be. When I first picked this topic, the first, the beginning, the really the address of it, if you're writing a letter, you would say like, dear so-and-so, this is the beginning of it. When I picked it, I thought, oh, this will be, this will be nice and, and easy. I mean, uh, our Father, that sounds great, because I've always really understood of God as a Father. But as I started to dive into God's Word, what I realized was that that wasn't always the case. Even when Jesus was here walking in this earth, People didn't refer to God as Father that regularly. In fact, there were these Jewish religious leaders that would approach Jesus and be mad at him for how he was referring to God. It says this in John chapter 5, verse 18. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, but listen to this, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. By calling God his father, and then by telling us to call God father, he was making us in this sort of equal relationship with God, this family, familiar relationship with God that people did not like. They had this thing where they wanted to come to God with all this pomp and circumstance, and you had to be this certain way to approach God. But Jesus is saying a different way, that it's about really a relationship. And not only did did the Jewish leaders get mad at at God for doing this or at Jesus for doing this, they just didn't understand it. They didn't understand what it meant for God to be our Father. Listen, God being our Father points us to a new identity and destiny and equips us to live each day with a new confidence. Jesus wasn't just saying our Father flippantly. He was saying that this defines who you are, your identity. This defines where you're going, your destiny, and also gives you confidence to live today. But they didn't get it. I mean, they didn't get a lot of what Jesus was doing, honestly. One day they came to him mad because Jesus was hanging out with sinners. It was recorded in... In Luke chapter 15, it says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach, which should be reason for celebration. 
But this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even, whew, even eating with them. They were so angry with him, but they wanted to show up and just tell Jesus, we're angry at you. You shouldn't be doing this. And it's really interesting to me because Jesus responds to this. He responds to them being angry, but he doesn't respond in kind. He doesn't respond in anger in this moment. And sometimes he does let them have the business. But in this moment, he decides to tell them a story. He tells them about a father. He says, there was one time where there was a father, and he had two sons. And one of his sons wanted to rebel. He wanted to be rebellious, so he came up and said, hey, give me my part of the inheritance, and I'm going to leave. And the father did. He gave him the part of the inheritance, and the son left. And he went out and lived all kind of reckless living, and he, he spent all the money, and, and he spent it on, on, on wild living, on prostitutes, and all kind of crazy stuff, to eventually he had no more money. And when he was broke, he decided to go and eat the same food that the pigs were eating. And he was in this really low point of his life that he realized, I should go back to my father. Because even if I can't be his son anymore, I can at least be a servant in his household. And if I do that, I can at least eat something, something better than what I'm eating now. So he started to go back to his father. And as he was going, you can like just picture him practicing, rehearsing, what is he going to say? And then the response of the father is recorded. Jesus tells them this response, and it's in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 20 in the second half of that verse. It says, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. In this story, when he was telling the Pharisees, he was saying that the father is God and that the reckless son who went out in wild living is all of us, all of us who are sinners. Jesus would end this story by saying that the other son that stayed got jealous and he got mad and he went to his dad and he's like, hey, why don't I have a party being thrown for me? I'm here every day. Why aren't you celebrating me? He got jealous and he got angry. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that, Pharisees, you, you are that older brother. You are that brother who is being jealous and being angry. And the sinners that I'm spending dinner with right now, that I'm eating with, those are the son that the father welcomes, that the father comes and embraces and hugs. And the Pharisees, of course, went away mad because it just didn't make sense to them that Jesus was saying, hey, we can have this kind of relationship with God, with our heavenly Father. It's surprising to me because as I look through God's word, there, it's really split into two sections. It's split into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is specific because it's when Jesus comes in the flesh. And so we read about Jesus and his encounters, and the rest of it is really about Jesus and how we can interact and, and what Jesus did on the cross for us. And before that was God talking to his people in the Old Testament. Now Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and the Father, they all existed, but it was God talking to his people. And when he talked to his people, he would refer to them as his 
children, but they didn't refer to him as their father. Only a couple times in God's word does it even address God as father. It was because the sin that was in our lives separated us. It separated us from having this relationship, to be able to go to God confidently and speak to him about anything, to just just be in his presence and to talk with him. But that was a relationship that God has always wanted for us. He's always wanted to be considered his father and us to be his children. Listen to this. Calling God father tells us who we are and what we can expect from God. So Jesus was saying that this defines really who God is. It defines who we are in relationship as well. Because there's nothing more unique than a parent and a kid relationship. Even, I mean, if you go back, the Greek language had a specific word. It was storge. And it was this, this love that was from a parent to a kid. And it was unlike anything else. And I, I look back at my relationship with my earthly father, and it is unique. I mean, he was the only one that would love me because I was just his son, not because I did anything. He was the only one that took me to the hospital when my arms kept popping out of my sockets when I was younger. And then I would still say, dad, spin me around. And my dad would begrudgingly say, okay. And then my arms would pop out again and he would take me again to the hospital. He was the only one that was able to tell me that he was proud of me. And it really changed everything. I love when people say that, that they're proud of me, but there's something unique about the father saying that. I remember one day I came home from school and I told him about my grades and he just was like, I'm really proud of you. And I remember that just hit me. Like, it, it just really changed my heart. He was also the only one that, to discipline me the way that he did, and the way that he was able to talk to me and to help me to be who I was supposed to be, to, to be better. He was also the only one that would take me to Farmar. My, my mom did this too, took me to Farmar or, uh, or Eagle Video when we rented Surf Ninjas 50 times. No one else would rent Surf Ninjas 50 times for their son, but our God, my, my father did that for me, and our God loves us that much, that uniquely, that he wants to give us stuff. He wants to care for us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to challenge us sometimes, and he wants to give us some discipline, not because of anything else, but because he loves us and because he is an amazing father. Now, before we continue, I do want to point something very important out. You might be in here and your relationship with your father is not a good one. You don't have the memories of going and renting the same movie over and over and over or whatever it is. You look at your father and you say, this isn't someone that I would ever want to worship or resemble God. And author Wesley Hills would put it this way, and I think it's pretty profound. Any picture of God as father that leads us to think in terms of domination and cruelty rather than of humble service and unending love is not a true understanding of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Saying Father isn't just like a handy metaphor that we use because it helps us understand who God is. It's really his identity. It's not just that Jesus was giving him a name change. It's not just saying, like, one day you can call someone Oliver, the next day you can call him Kyle X, Y, or something. It's, it's a whole identity shift it's saying that God is supposed to be looked at as the perfect father. And we, as fathers that are here on this earth, we should resemble him, not the other way around. We should resemble the perfect father. But most times, not most times, sometimes on this earth, as fathers, we more resemble the devil and not 
our Heavenly Father. And if you're in that situation, I'm not saying that this that God that we worship should resemble your Father. I'm saying that your Father should have resembled God because He is our perfect Father. That's actually a taken point. It's the one point that this message is all about. And it's simply that God is the perfect Father. And everything God does, He does it as a Father. He creates as a Father. He loves as a Father. He forgives as a Father. He disciplines as a father, to his core, he is a father. And as we see him move through God's word and we move through this life, he does it as a father. A little earlier, I said that there was only a couple times in the Old Testament that someone referred to God as father. And two of those times was when a guy named Isaiah, who was a prophet, when he would talk about God, he did twice refer to God as a father. And I wanted to read them both accounts to you today. It says this in Isaiah 64, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are formed in your hand. It's this beautiful image of God as creator, that he doesn't do it haphazardly, that he creates as a loving father. Someone recently during one of our morning prayer times, we, we were praising God for being a creator and someone around the digital circle said, and I thought it was really cool, and I wish I could remember exactly who said it, said, God, we thank you so much for being our creator that you love us when you created. You didn't just create one type of animal or one type of food or one type of season. You created a lot of different things just so we would enjoy it. And I thought, wow, as a father, I don't just give my son one toy that he has for his whole life. We, you give him more than that. So just because you want to, because you want to give him something. And, and God, our father, created in this special, unique way because he loves us. And he made all of us unique and amazing because he loves us. It says in God's word that he made us and he knit us together in our mother's womb. And he did that meticulously. He did that. And all of us have a purpose on this planet. He, he created as a father. Isaiah would also say in chapter 63, surely you are still our father. Even if Abraham and Jacob would disown us, Lord, you would still be our father. You are our redeemer from ages past. It says, even if there's bad things that are happening, you're still our father. It doesn't stop you from being our father. Even if we run away and if we spend all of our inheritance, you are still waiting there to give us a hug and to accept us back because he loves unconditionally as a father loves a child. It's amazing and it's beautiful. And he also disciplines as a father disciplines, which honestly, is not my favorite part of being a father. There's times where I've had to discipline and then I go back to my wife and I'm just emotional because it's like, I don't want to do that, but I also want my son to have the best life and to live the best way. And God wants the same thing for us. He doesn't run, rule this world like any other God would. He rules it as a father. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it, it just gives us an example about a rule that he has for God's, for his people, for us, but he also defines a little bit about why he has that role. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, and this is from the Christian Standard Bible, it says, you are sons of the Lord your God. Some translations would say, you are children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or make a bald spot on your head on behalf of the dead. For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples of the face of the earth. So, Cutting yourself and putting a bald spot uh, in behalf of the dead was a practice of a different religion. So God was saying two things in this moment. He was saying, don't go and do that because I don't want you to worship another religion. I want you to be with me. 
because you're mine. I chose you to be mine. I created you to be in a relationship with me. I love you. But he also said it because he doesn't want his children hurting themselves. He, he doesn't want his children cutting themselves because he loves us. He cares for us. So his rules are in place to discipline, to, to set boundaries, to help us to live the best life. It goes all the way back to what we said at the very beginning. The prayer life is going to up the quality of our life. It's going to up our effectiveness because we're closer to the Father. We're going to understand ourselves in him better. And when Jesus says, you can call your heavenly father, your heavenly father, he was asking us and inviting us into the same relationship that he has always had since really the beginning of time, before the beginning of time that Jesus and God had this relationship. He's asking us to stand next to him as brothers and sisters in this relationship. And when we do so, I think three important things happen. First, when we call God our father, it reveals our identity. It tells us who we are. It lets us know that we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. John 1 would say this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He loves us. He hears us. He treats us like his kids. In Galatians chapter 4, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he would describe it in this way. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We are heirs to God's throne, that we are a part of his family. And if we accept Jesus, this is really important, if we accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, that's when we enter into this family relationship. We are always his creation, no matter what. And I believe that God does answer the prayers of people who don't give their lives to Jesus. He hears them, definitely. But there's this unique relationship when we accept him as our father, just like there's a unique relationship with a father and their children. I mean, Ezra is my oldest son, and right now he's starting to really get into my board games. He loves playing with them, moving them around, sneaking them in his pockets. I found like a gem from one of my games in the dryer the other day. Wasn't happy about it, but I do like that my son is playing my games. And he'll look at me and say, Daddy, I love your games. And then he'll follow it up because he's really smart. Daddy, can I have my own games? And as the dad, I want to give him his own games. I want to go buy him games. And I've tried to hold off and say, hey, for your birthday, buddy, you're going to get a game from me. But I want to do that because I, I love him in this unique way. Now, I also love my, my neighbor's kids because I, we're called to love them. I love my, my neighbor's kids. But if he came over saying, hey, can I have a game? I would say you can borrow one of my games, but this is a game that maybe I haven't played in a while, and please don't eat Cheetos around it. Don't get any of that cheese dust on it, and please just give it back to me soon. I'd give it to him because I care for him, but not in the same way that I care for my son. And the same thing is true with our relationship with God. When we give our lives over to him and we enter into this relationship, it's a unique identity as the children of God. So calling God our Father reveals our identity. Calling God our Father also gives us confidence. It gives us confidence to be in the presence of the King, to walk around knowing that that King, that that Creator has our back, that loves and cares for us. In Romans chapter 8, it says, and this is beautiful, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, meaning Jesus Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So it's beautiful in the way that we're joined together with God. It's beautiful in the way that he says his supernatural nature 
is able to be available to us, that we can see his miracles on this earth. And again, we've been seeing them as we focus on prayer and fasting. I believe we're going to continue. But it also does say that we're going to join his suffering because as family members, as people that are joined together with God, we share everything. It also does mean that we get to be beneficiaries to every good thing that God wants us to have, that we can go to him with any care and concern, and he deeply cares for every care and concern that we have because of that love relationship with us. We can have confidence going into his presence and asking for things, knowing that he wants what's best for us. And so we can walk through this life knowing we have the powerful God on our side, and we can go to him when we're struggling with the confidence that our God cares for us. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about us. I love that, that the glory of God is shared with us on this earth, and we can walk around knowing that this earth isn't all that we have, that we have an eternity ahead of us. Justin Kovac, one of our volunteer leaders that New Life students got up and spoke this last week, and it was amazing. He did such a great job. The Holy Spirit spoke through him, and he talked about this confidence we can have that, yes, there's going to be things that threaten our lives here on this earth. Yes, we can walk around scared because we never know when we're going to live or die, but we can always have confidence in the fact that if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we know where we're going to end up, where you know we're going to be in heaven with God forever, which leads to the third important thing, calling God our Father uncovers our destiny. An eternal life with Jesus in God in heaven is part of that destiny. We're going to spend eternity somewhere, whether it's in heaven or hell, but as part of God's family, part of that destiny is to join in that eternal relationship forever. In Romans 8, 28, it says this. I believe this is part of our destiny too as his children. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Every thought, every concern, everything that, that is, is in our head and in our mind, God understands and he, he hears and he cares for. And it says in there, part of our destiny is that God's gonna cause everything to work together for those who love him. So we know that as we're working through this life, as we're struggling, as we're doing what it is that God is calling us to do, he's going to work it out for his glory, for the benefit of his kingdom. And that's part of our destiny. A third part of our destiny really is to be a child of God and to be okay with being called a child. Sometimes it can feel like, hey, I'm an adult now or I'm a teenager. I don't really want to be called a child anymore. But there's honor in that, and we have to be content knowing that we are children of God. Because when Jesus was on this earth, he made a very important point about children and the ramifications of thinking and acting like a child. It says this in Matthew 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So part of our destiny of who we're called to be, who we're supposed to live out as, part of our destiny a part of our identity as well is to be a child of God. And it says in there to, to be humble and to serve. And that's part of how we're supposed to act. Live in a way that we're relying 
on God as our Heavenly Father. We're trusting in Him as a little child, trust in their parents. As, as they hear what the parents say, that they say, you know what, I, I, I should follow that, I should listen to that, and we should do the same thing with God. We should, we should have this relationship where we rely and we trust in Him. And from that, it should lead us to speak to God, to speak to our Heavenly Father often, to go to Him with our worries and cares, because yes, although I don't want my relationship with my Heavenly Father or my earthly Father for just to be me asking for things, that is part of it. God says, yeah, come and bring your concerns to me. But also it allows us during this speaking with God time just to talk about our days, about what we're doing, about the joys we have, to celebrate with him what we see and what we're going through. If we are going to be his kids, we got to go and talk to God, to speak with him. We also must be ready to listen to our Heavenly Father. Let's take time to listen to our Heavenly Father. And that means a couple things. That means sometimes it just means sitting and being okay with being still and quiet in our Father's presence. And sometimes through that, we'll hear Him through this still, small voice. It also means actively listening in our everyday lives, saying, God, reveal yourself to me through circumstances, through people, through your word as I read the Bible, speak to me, and he will. And if we're actively listening, we'll get to know, again, we'll get to know him, but we'll also, it'll reveal to us who we are and who we are called to be. Ultimately, if we want to live this out, if we want to raise the effectiveness of what we're doing in this life and bringing the kingdom of God to earth, if we want to push back the darkness, if we want to up the quality of our lives, we got to up the quality of our prayer lives. Whether that means we got to start praying because we've never really done it before, or it means we have to continue praying. And if, again, you're in here and you're like, I don't really know how to pray, continue coming. Continue watching these messages because over the next seven weeks, we're going to continue digging into what it means to pray and, and why we do it and, and how we're supposed to do it. But this week, if we want to go out and take a next step to be God's children, we can do that this way. I will speak and listen to my heavenly dad each day this week. Let's lean into that identity. If you're anything like me, I want to know who I am and what I'm created to do. Let's lean into that destiny. Let's lean into who we are called to, to be and where we're going. Let's get confidence from God. It's so easy to be, be dissuaded from confidence in this life when things fall apart, when we don't know where we're supposed to go. We can't see tomorrow ahead of us but we know that God can. Let's get our confidence for him and let's lean into that. If you're, if you're listening to this, you're watching this right now and you've never given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've never accepted this relationship as father and child, today, make today that day. It will change everything. You want this God of the universe. I want this God of the universe to love me in the way that a father loves a child. And if you want to do that, we say here at New Life, it's as simple as ABC. A meaning admit, admitting that we're a sinner, admitting that we need Jesus to come into our lives to save us, to rescue us from sin and death. And B, we believe that God is the one true God. Believe that Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for us. And C, confess confess our sins to Jesus and, and confess our need for a Lord, meaning owner and savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death. So today, right now, I wanna to encourage you to pray alongside me. 
If you do know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you also to pray alongside me and pray for anyone that is watching this, anyone that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior to make this commitment. And today, if you've not made this commitment but you want to, would you please pray with me? You can make this prayer your own in your heart and your mind, but you can follow along with what I'm saying. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. I believe that you are the one true God and that Jesus is the Son of the living God. I confess my sins to you, forgive me of my sins, and become my Lord and my owner and make me into a new creation. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, as we go out into the world, as we live our lives in whatever form or fashion that takes, let us work at impacting the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And the way that we can do that most effectively is by upping our prayer life. So let us pray. Let us speak to our Heavenly Father. Let us listen to Him and what He has to say. And let us live our identity out of who we were created to be. And as we've started to see some glory and miracles happen through the 21 days of prayer and fasting, let us continue in 2021 seeing the big and mighty things that God wants us to do and that He is going to do around us. Amen.